I always thought the movie title pop star never stop, never stopping didn't make any sense. Then I heard lyrics from artists like Chameleonaire. Here's a sample from his 2004 song, Still Tippin'. Always been about them horizontal lines through them S's. That's a dollar sign. Yeah, that, that's an actual verse. Oh, here's another great lyric from Nicki Minaj. When I was a geisha, he was a samurai. Somehow I understood him when he spoke Thai. That amazing coherent sentence is from her song, Your Love. You know what? All of a sudden, this week's movie title kind of makes sense. This is Lil Mayo, a.k.a. Troy Sour. Brad for real. Then Cupcake. And this is Not a Bomb, the dope edition. fans welcome back to a brand new episode of not a bomb uh brad what's the 411 man wow i you saying Nicki minaj lines is something i didn't know i wanted to hear but now that i've heard it that's all i want to hear from you from now on is is Nicki minaj lines um maybe can you do like megan the stallion next i'd, I'd love to hear W-A-P what, from what you. did you say <laughs> what um, what were those words? I don't nothing, nothing. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, we're, we're doing pop star tonight, Troy. There <laughs> okay. We go. Yeah. We're down with it. Right. We're not ill. And oh boy. Yeah. Is, is this going to go on the whole time? No, I'm going to okay. be all fresh and stuff. No. All right. Well, what movie are we doing this week, Brad? This is your pick. We're, we're doing uh, the lonely Island movies all month. Yeah. We're, we have, we've, we started off with Briggs bear. We did hot rod last week and now we're doing pop star. Never stop. Never stopping. Right. Just a from 2016. That's a ridiculous title, but Hey, for, for this type of film, I mean, we're, we're talking pop stars, music. We had to bring like one of the best guests, uh, that, you know, started on the show this year uh, none other than our great friend Jose. How are you? How are you this evening, Jose? Uh, loving you, quoting rappers is what I'm is what I am tonight. <laughs> I'm down with it. I don't know if you know this, guys. I'm I'm hip. <laughs> yeah, we are like the weirdest BC Boys group of all time. By the way, <laughs> yeah, that's that is an understatement. So, Jose, this was a first time watch for you, right? It is actually. Um, so, I think for the for the first time. As being a guest, this is, I've never seen this before and it is a first time watch. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. All right. Brad, did uh, you happen to catch this in the movie theaters or would, I mean, Oh, I, I've I, seen this a lot. A lot. I think this is a, probably my third or fourth time seeing it all the way through, but I've seen bits and pieces of this thing for quite a bit. Um, it was on H he had a nice HBO run there for a while. And uh, back before, you know, you could do HBO on demand and see everything that they had. You had to watch like what was in that time slot. And I remember watching this quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. This is my second viewing. Uh, I, I think it was one of those blind buys only because when I saw the trailer, I, I just wasn't necessarily interested. I, I like mockumentaries. 
So uh, something like, you know, this is Spinal Tap is, is a fantastic film, but I can't say uh, the, the whole premise of a mockumentary following, I don't know, a Justin Bieber wannabe and kind of poking fun at that culture. It, it just never really appealed to me. So I think when the Blu-ray finally like dropped in price to almost free, pulled the trigger and uh, yeah, this will this will be the second time I've watched it and I'm curious to discuss it. But, you know, pop music in general or, or rap, uh, Brad, I, I know your thoughts on this. Jose, where do you land? I, I really, out of all of our friends, I can't ever kind of peg your music taste. It, it's very eclectic. It seems like it's all over. Like you, you don't have one genre you stick to, do you? Or I, I mean, is there, is it, is it rap? Is it pop music? Is that, is that where you like mostly turn your radio to? Yeah, it's usually like pop and dance, honestly. Um, but, but it, but I am kind of all over the map as well. And there, there are some hip hop or rap artists that I do listen to. And when I grew up, my brother introduced me to the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy and NWA and Ice Cube. Um, you know, I can't say that I wanted to listen to that, but he was always playing it. And eventually it just kind of like stuck in my head and there were some songs that I really did enjoy rapping to. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to guess out of the three of us, Brad probably has the most street credit when it comes to this genre of film, uh, music, right? Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, but that's, a, it seems like that might be a little, little uh, low bar there. No offense guys. Well, no. No, I, I, Hey, look, <laughs> I, if, if we're talking pop music, specifically rap, uh, run DMC is my all time favorite love run DMC. Next is probably, you know, BC Boys, Sugar Hill, but it, it ends about the 90s. Okay, that's it. I am not, I mean, I'll put it out there. I'm not a huge fan of today's rap music. Uh, the the pop music today, can't say I'm a fan of that either. And and I'm probably sounding very old man-ish right now. I, I like new rock. I really like heavy metal. But um, yeah, I just, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I just can't get into the, to the, to the pop music, especially stuff that's, I don't know, probably the last decade. I don't, I don't know how, where you guys fall on that. I mean, I hate to say with the with the pop music stuff, I mean, especially lately, it's all starting to sound the same, right? It's either like Taylor Swifty or Halsey or, you know, that kind of thing. Or, um, yeah, so the pop, the pop music landscape, it's all starting to sound kind of canned in some ways, like just, you know, produced on a line and, and thrown out there. Um, there are, there are some acts now that I do love, but I find myself, you know, if I'm driving, I'm just listening to older albums that, that, uh, I'm either revisiting or have been constant, like listen, listen to, um, albums. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Brad? Uh, I hate pop music today. So, uh, <laughs> really like with a, just a passion. Um, uh, you know, some of the rap, new rap stuff, I know, like 10 years ago, now we have like Drake's big now. I'm not a huge Drake guy, but there's been some people in the last 10 years come along that have really blown up. Um, I'm more of that 90s to like 2007. So, you know, if you had a hip hop album that came out in that period of time, I probably own it. Um, so that's kind of my, my heyday there, um, started with the BC boys, uh, then, you know, kind of went to the West coast stuff and then Wu-Tang clan 
uh, and then back to like Jay Z, and then DMX, and then like all your big names. Uh, you know, Nas was big. So seeing this movie, you, you see all these guys in this movie, and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool just for the cameos itself. But anyway, yeah. So I, I, you know, I definitely like hip hop a lot. I played basketball a lot uh, growing up, um, and you will. Uh, be introduced to a lot of things when you play with predominantly uh, African-Americans. And that was kind of my initiation into a lot of that stuff. And to kind of, you know, cross over and, and become friends with a lot of, you know, you, you try to find some common ground and I knew a lot about hip hop and stuff like that. So that was kind of other things besides basketball that, you know, we could talk about. And then you learn that people are basically just the same, but anyway, but you know, that, that was one of the, my catalyst is for getting into that is just being around it all the time in the culture and being like the whitest guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and neither of you had the luxury of having a young girl growing up and uh, having to endure the Miley Cyrus years, the Justin Bieber teen oh, years, coming. the it's Jonas coming for me, brothers. Buddy. It's coming for me, buddy. Okay. It's going to be different, but it's going to be the same thing. Okay. All right. Well, I, I will, I will say I listened to Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus and um, those those pop stars. So I, in a way, I feel your pain, but I'm also singing along. Oh, with those no, songs too, no, no, so. no, 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 no. You, you don't know my pain. You don't you don't know the hours upon hours of the Justin Bieber and the Miley Cyrus and uh, Hannah Montana and everything we had to listen to. So only fathers own, with young girls. I own Lindsay Lohan CDs. Okay. I, I okay. You might that. know my pain. Yeah, you might know my pain a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I, I I do want to hit the pause button and go back just one more conversation that we were having. Okay. We were talking about mockumentaries. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Spinal Tap is the gold standard for the mockumentary? Like the music one, I think that would be correct. I yes. do think there is a better mockumentary than Spinal Tap. I I. Um, to me, they tell you what it is. Okay. Well, my two favorite mockumentaries are this is spinal tap and waiting for Guffman. Those to me are the two gold standards. What what were you going to say? say Best in show. Okay. Well, that's, that's another one. Okay. Um, yeah. Best in show. I think is my favorite mockumentary. I, I think it is brilliant beyond all comprehension. Uh, what about you, Jose? I I would vote waiting for Guffman, honestly, his favorite mockumentary. Okay. Uh, Do I need to go back but, and watch that again? Because it's been a long time. Like I would have put like a like a mighty wind ahead of Mrs. Guffman. Really? You know, it's yeah. it's weird. Like uh, I maybe that maybe just what we like speaks to our taste, right? Like Sir Troy, you said you like hard rock yeah. in some ways. So Spinal Tap is the mockumentary. Waiting for Guffman, you know, it's kind of like theatrical, like filmic, you know. And then Best in Show is just like absurdist, which, you know, I think Brad loves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that's probably true. I mean, if you're close to the content and a mockumentary comes along, it probably makes it funnier if you know all sort of the inside jokes to it. Uh, Christopher Guess, I, I think, nails it. I mean, he, he's turned it into its own subgenre. I think the reason why I like waiting for Guffman more than I like best in show is I saw that first. So, you know, this is spinal tap. Um, I really didn't. Well, let me put it this way. I saw this is spinal tap first. 
Then years pass, waiting for Guffman comes along, and I never really understood what This Is Spinal Tap was until I saw Waiting for Guffman, and then that made me go back, and it's like, oh, Christopher Guest is in both, you know, both films. Um, yeah. and, and Best in Show, I feel like really a lot of people came to that style of film as a result of Best in Show and then went back and discovered Waiting for Guffman and everything else. So I don't know. I just waiting for Guffman. There are some laughs in there that to this day will put me on the floor. They are so funny. And the same with this is spinal tap. I mean, when, when Stonehenge, when they play that song, I lose it every time. It's so absurd, (laughs) but I mean, to me, it's just classic comedy. And those, those are the two that consistently make me laugh. Now, best in show is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but, but the other two, uh, I, I don't know. I, I would not sit here and debate all night and and say that I'm right over you, Brad. On pick, I think they're all great. I, I think Christopher yeah. Guest, I, they're varying degrees of success, but they're all A plus mockumentaries. I think that he's done. Has he has he done one that sucked? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I know uh, that uh, our star of the film tonight, Andy Samberg, has two that I think are really good. Uh, Tour de Pharmacy, which is the the Tour de France mockumentary right. and then uh seven days in hell which is the wimbledon one so both of those are spectacular okay. uh seven days in hell was amazing <laughs> yeah and i haven't i haven't yeah. seen it has, that like way Snort. better than it had any right to be like just yeah. one of those films you watch and like why is this so much better than i thought it was going to be that was an hbo film right he did for hbo yes. okay yeah it's mm-hmm. like a fake hbo sports documentary okay <laughs> yeah cool. Uh, well, Brad, we're talking about 2016's pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Obviously, it's from the group, The Lonely Islands. Uh, just real quick, Jose, I mean, we've, we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about The Lonely Island guys. Are, are you a fan of their work in general? So I'm, I, uh, I've, I listened to the previous episodes. Um, so you guys have covered some of the ground of The Lonely Island. I think I'm probably more familiar with their SNL material than with the material that they had done before uploaded those sort of like videos to the internet and had that sort of like viral sensation before there was anything, you know, labeled viral. Um, And then I've been pretty much a a fan of theirs through Hot Rod. um, And uh, I think this was their first producing effort, Palm Springs, which uh, Brad had mentioned um, starring Andy Samberg and um, Kristen uh, Milioti. Yeah, I got to get to that one. I, I added that to the list. It's so. good. It is good. I, yes, yeah. thank you for. Okay. Well, I'm this, trying to get Troy to come around and, and see that. So I will. I, I will add it to the list, man. We, we have so much to cover <laughs> just to get I, through I, the I end think, of the year. I think that was Lonely Island's like first producing effort. And then they followed it up with uh, Brigsby Bear, which, you know, obviously you guys talked about. It's a great, wonderful film. Did, did you watch it before we had talked about it or was it uh, after after? Okay, good. It was after I, I had not caught it. Although Randy got to see that brings me back. Got to see that brings me back. Man, okay, he's, I will. <laughs> he should get at least like 5% of every Blu-ray sold. Uh, because I went to Amazon the other day and noticed that they had sold out or there, you had to get it from a third party seller at this point. So I yep. assume Randy's getting a percentage of that, but uh, okay. <laughs> so we're, we're going Back to 2016, right, Brad? Uh, pop star comes out. This was a summer release, right? 
It was June 3rd of 2016. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. My birthday, June 3rd. Yeah, Gemini's. Nice. (laughs) Well, Brad, Uh, uh, why don't you take us back and tell us how this sucker did? Yeah, box office uh, for pop star. Um, the budget is reported at $20 million. Uh, to put that in context, hot rod costs $25 million. Um, I, I think the stunts and hot rod probably costs a quite a bit of money. So yeah. um, there, there's your difference there. Um, domestic run for a pop star was three weeks, three, three weeks, three mm-hmm. weeks. That's all it played. Yes. Okay. Yes. Played three weeks. Made nine point six million dollars. Ouch! Um, internationally, Ooh. made forty k, forty thousand thousand. Uh, that was Inter- great- whoa. Wait a minute. You would think that internationally they might gravitate towards something like this, but uh, really, it, it was New uh, England only, and that was it. So this didn't play like Jap- Okay, this nope. didn't play in Japan. I kind of nope. thought maybe in Japan nope. they would love it. Yeah, nope. <laughs> or Korea uh, so with all the boy bands. Yeah, yeah. K-pop. K-pop, yep. right? Okay, so okay, um, wow. So it's opening weekend, uh, which is the weekend of March third. It ranked number eight um, mm. when it was released, um, making uh, four point seven million dollars opening weekend. So essentially, makes half of it uh, of its uh, total box office run the first weekend. Films that beat out Pop Star were things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Out of the Shadows. Oh, okay. X-Men Apocalypse, Me Before mm-hmm. You, Alice Through the Looking Glass, The Angry Birds Movie, Captain America Civil War, uh, Neighbors 2, and then you have Popstar. So huh. a lot of comedies in there and, you know, summer stuff. Summer film. This was a summer film. I don't, it's going to get buried. I don't know. Wow. Um, that was Marvel. Everybody was into Civil War. Yeah. Yep. Um Rotten Tomatoes fares a little bit better. It's at 79% with the critics, with a 65% with the audience. Um, hmm. find it weird that the critics like this more than the audience. Usually uh, comedies is definitely more uh, favorable towards the audience, but what do I know? Um, anyway, films also released June of 2016. We have the BFG. Uh, the Purge Election Year, Marauders, The Legend of Tarzan, Swiss yeah. Army Man, Free State of Jones, The Neon Demon, The Shallows. Oh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Independence Day Resurgence. Ooh, okay. Uh, we have The Last King, Central Intelligence. There's just a movie called Clown. I just wanted to tell Troy there's a movie out there just called Clown. Yeah, I've You're seen welcome. it. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, Warcraft, which we've done on this show. Yep. The Conjuring 2. Um, we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Me Before You. So lots coming out um, in that time frame. So do you know what the highest grossing comedy of 2016 happened to be? I, I don't know. It was the 2016 reboot of Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Was that like one two fifty? Um, I, 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 I'm just I, I kind of looked at box office performance for comedy movies in 2016, and I, I thought this was kind of interesting. So, when when we talked about Hot Rod, 
I think it was super bad was coming onto the scene, right? So the yep. R-rated comedy right. ended up bearing that. Now, when Popstar comes out in the summer that year in 2016, here's a sample of the comedies that um, I'll just go through the top 10. All right. I'm just going to list them off real quick. So Ghostbusters was number one. Central Intelligence was number two with The Rock and Kevin Hart. Bad Moms, Sausage Party, Ride Along 2, Tyler Perry's Boo. Uh, that was the Medea film, right? Uh, the Boss with Melissa McCarthy, My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, Daddy's Home, and number 10 was Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. So there you go. That's a lot of garbage. Uh, a lot of garbage. I, yeah, I feel like, I, I don't know. I Sausage Party was fabulous. <laughs> I do like Sausage Party quite a bit. 2016 <laughs> just looked like a shit show in the comedy genre, to be quite honest. I mean... There's things to be said about uh, these 10 films, but I mean, out of these 10, I can't look at any of them and go, these were gut busting, make me laugh. I'll watch over and over again. Bad Moms is actually pretty funny. Uh, I do like Bad Moms. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Sausage Party was okay. Central Intelligence is these are all of all of this. I just read this and I'm like, oh, it's it's okay. I I don't know. I I couldn't. Uh, no, there's nothing I would be like, okay, I'm going to go back to that because I find that extremely funny. It might be, yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Sausage Party may be the exception to that. Yeah, so I don't I don't think that year was a good year for comedies in general. So given the fact that The Lonely Islands, I think up to this point, really hadn't had a box office hit, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're still mostly known for probably the SNL shorts. Hot Rod is starting to get a cult following, which is... Yeah, they've had a long tail on stuff, though. Yeah, I mean, Hot Rod at this point is doing pretty good on HD, DVD, and uh, Blu-ray. And so I'm sure those HD DVD sales kind of convinced Universal to to throw, you know, the $20 million their way. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, man, talk about a black hole of, of comedy films. 2016 kind of sucked, I think. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, that it. Uh, you name those movies, I'm like, God. I would not venture out to the theater to see any of those right now. No, not, not a good year. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the people who made this thing. So Jose, the, the, the thing we love when you come onto the show is you, you have all these facts about people that are involved in the film and kind of put, I don't know, just this whole connection to things that we would never even know about. So we thought it's, it's only fitting that you drive the discussion of the people behind the camera. Now we touched on some of it, in the other episodes, because we are talking about the lonely Island, but I, I cannot wait to, to just hear what you bring to the table in terms of the people behind the camera on this thing. So it, I'm turning it over to you, man. Well, hopefully I don't disappoint. This is uh, not as impossible, not as exciting as some of the, uh, as some of the other uh, productions that we've sort of like talked about. Um, but I think it's easier to start with everybody else and then get to the Lonely Island since we've already sort of talked about them. But um, so interestingly enough, this movie is uh, a joint production effort with the Lonely Island and Judd Apatow, who is uh, a very prolific sort of uh, producer, writer, director. Um, he uh, basically he does like commercial comedies, not necessarily like 
that that have sort of like a a mumblecore feel to it. Like it tries to speak to a generation and and most of his movies seem to make sure that, you know, if they're not straight out absurdist, there's some kind of heart to it. Yeah. Um, I won't go through Apatow's in, you know, ginormous, uh, you know, resume here, but curiously enough, he was one of the producers on Superbad, which took a lot of the thunder away from Hot Rod, as you guys have pointed out. Right. Um, but he has produced you know, rom-coms, things like from, uh, you know, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, um, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Virgin, Knocked Up, Super Bad, uh, to other things like Pineapple Express, uh, Step Brothers, Bridesmaids, Wanderlust, the Anchorman movies. So he knows his comedy. He knows what the audience tends to like. And a lot of his movies are are big hits. Um, I there's was an interesting- really really surprised by the king of staten island yes i really enjoyed that movie quite a bit and i thought Mm -hmm. pete davidson is not for me i'm gonna hate this thing but man i was same way and within minute one i'll tell you what exactly i recommended that film to to one friend and they loved it i i recommended it to another person and they said they fell asleep it was boring so we're not talking to that person anymore um (laughs) but yeah that that movie's great yeah i felt the same way i'm like pete Pete Davidson is not going to carry a movie. And then you watch it and damn, he carries a movie. So, yeah. you know, uh, Apatow has this, he's got an eye for things. Um, and curiously enough, what yeah, I, I learned from the I think he also has com- an eye for, eye for talent. Yes, yes definitely. He's Most definitely. Very early in their careers and they've become huge. Seth Rogen is probably, you know, one of the ones where he found early on and you're just like, yeah, this guy's got something. He can see talent, I think, from a mile away. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I learned from the commentary it, from the for Popstar was that um, Apatow was like a guest editor on on Vanity Fair, and uh, I, I guess there was a picture of um, the Lonely Island or something. Maybe he was at a premiere or he was a fan or something. And the caption said something along the lines of, "You know, this is the Lonely Island. These are these guys are comedic, you know, superstars of the future. If you want to make a movie, call me." And he listed his phone number which was uh, his production office. And so they were like, let's do it. And then this is the one, this is the one idea that sort of like stuck. And Judd was like, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's produce it together. He's also produced, um, I think it was called Walking Hard, the Dewey Cox, Dewey Cox story. story. Yes. So that's another sort of like mockumentary slash biopic comedy, like whatever. Um Another producer on this pop star is Rodney Rothman. Um, he was a very longtime writer on the David Letterman show and had mainly done um, TV writing, but he is the screenwriter and one of the credited directors for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, and then he also was behind uh, Grudge Match with Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro. Um, and then 20. 20- 22 Jump Street. He's worked with Apatow before producing Get Him to the Greek, Five-Year Engagement, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So there's a, there's some crossover there. Also joining as producers, Morgan Sackett. And again, there's like a bunch of overlap here because, you know, Sackett produces uh, mainly television shows, but they're like pop culturally relevant television shows like Veep, Parks and Recs. And then he, Morgan Sackett, is behind uh, the Max Original Hacks and then the Peacock show Rutherford Falls, all of which have gotten really good sort of like critical acclaim of late. 
Um, our DP, the cinematographer is Brandon Trost. Um, he's actually pretty solid cinematographer. Um, he's shot for Neville Dean and Taylor, the, the yes. pair behind, uh, you know, crank or whatever. And, uh, but he was the DP for crank high voltage and ghostwriter spirit of vengeance, which gave me a huge headache when I saw it in 3d, but that's what you get when you watch a Neville, Neville Dean and Taylor movie. Um, he was also the DP for Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Lords of Salem. But a lot of his work has been comedy. And again, we're going to get this overlap with The Lonely Island and Judd Apatow and all these other comic people. Um, he shot This is the End, uh, MacGruber, That's My Boy, which I know you guys hate, but I think is hysterical. Oh boy. I love That's My Boy. Um both of the neighbors movies, uh, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse, and he shot the pilots for Hulu's Future Man and HBO's Barry and the Righteous Gemstones. Uh, we have production designer John Billington, who oddly enough has done a lot of comedies. Uh, the Interview, Ali G, What's Your Number? Again, there's that crossover mm-hmm. again. Um, he's really started to take off with other productions like The Fifth Wave, Bad Boys for Life, Triple X Return of um, Xander Cage which oddly triple X and bad boys for life sort of have the same vibe. Like there's a star, but then there's this other group that they're bringing in almost like they're trying to pass the torch to like a younger. Well, hold like, on. Group. One has Donnie Yen. The other one doesn't. So <laughs> one course, clearly yes. is a winner. Okay. Yes. Um, and Billington was also production designer on Hulu's boss level and Joe Carnahan's cop shop, both of which feature Frank Grillo, both of which are, pretty awesome actually. I love, uh, cop um, shop we'll, we'll probably talk about cop shop at some point because that, that was a surprise for me this year i really enjoyed that yeah also we could do like six months we could do like six months of frank grillo movies if we really wanted to we could just turn it into stuff i'm frank all grillo for podcast. that we should do a yep. frank grillo cast i don't know let's do it he's i love that ass. guy he's the, yep. he's like the new van damme he's the new van damme <laughs> that's a good analogy actually yeah yeah. Um, music is by Matthew Compton. By the way, he is one half of the indie rock band Electric Guest. The other half is Asa Tacconi, who is Jorm, uh, Yorma's brother. It's actually pronounced Yorma Tacconi. Oh. Yorma. Yorma really? Tacconi. <laughs> I, I always joke uh, Troy, about mispronouncing. I mispronounce my own but... name, so it doesn't matter, man. <laughs> um, and then obviously shout out to uh, the choreographer, Danielle Flora, who created the awesome donkey roll from, <laughs> from this movie, which I've been doing. I love it. There's a tutorial on the Blu-ray, by the way, if you guys, if you guys check out did, the extra I features, that, yes. I missed, I missed that one. Sorry. <laughs> and then obviously we come to the, the lonely Island. They are made up of Andy Samberg, Yorma Tacconi and Akiva Schaefer, as you guys noted, they met in junior high. Actually, Schaefer and Tacconi met in Spanish class. Sandberg was actually a year behind them. Um, interestingly, Tacconi went to UCLA to study theater. Schaefer and Sandberg went to UC Santa Cruz, and they both studied film. Sandberg would transfer to Tisch School of the Arts, um, which um, has some pretty famous graduates as well. Um, and I don't think you guys actually went into this, but... Basically, while they were working their jobs, you know, just trying to work up in the industry, um, Tacconi and Sandberg, they were actually PAs on the show Spin City. Um, and then I think, I feel like Schaefer 
maybe worked for for Fox or something like that, but they were always trying to get pilots off the ground and they just never came to fruition. But they eventually here, 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 I got a question for you guys before we get too far off. University of California, Santa Cruz. What is their mascot? Go. Uh, Anyone. I don't know. A surfing surfing man. I don't know. Banana slug. A what? Banana. What is a banana slug? It's a just a banana slug. A slug on a banana? That's what that's what it is. I I promise you, ten thousand dollars is banana slugs. Okay, that university's on drugs. It's weird. Yeah, that is a low rent mascot. (laughs) Well, it's unique. That's like we ran out of it. We're going with the banana slug. (laughs) That's what's left. And this explains the and this explains the Lonely Islands humor. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, So they were always trying to get these these pilots made at Fox and comedy central. And oddly enough, they were, they always centered around sketch comedy and they both were titled the lonely Island, but these were pilots that basically never went anywhere. Eventually they hooked up with something called channel one Oh one. It's a, it was a nonprofit monthly short screening festival. Okay. So every month people would get there and obviously they would put on their own shorts. Dan Harmon was involved with it. Um, He helped create Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. Um, also big in the in the comedy scene as well. And it was their involvement in that sort of like shorts that, you know, got them the writing gig for the 2005 MTV Movie Awards. And it was from that that Fallon recommended The Lonely Island to Lorne Michaels. And that's how they landed at SNL. And then eventually at SNL, they were given carte blanche to basically start the SNL digital shorts production company. And it was all of those different shorts, not only just their own, but all the, you know, outlandish commercials that they would produce. Um, but that's kind of how they they came to fame. And I think just just the festival thing alone probably broadened their network, um, which is how they were able to, you know, possibly get these pilots. But then, you know, think of all, all of their, you know, fabulous shorts and stuff like that. You guys talked about the fact that they've also produced um uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, but uh, Yorma Tacconi and Akiva Shaver, they help create shows like Alone Together on Freeform, um, which is sort of like a, it's like a romantic comedy, awkward romantic comedy. And then they also did the shows uh, The Boo and Party Over Here. They're kind of like sketch comedies. Um, and recently they've done the comedies I'm Sorry for True TV. I think you should leave with uh, Tim Robinson on Netflix and then Pen15 on Hulu. So they've produced, written, executive produced a bunch of those episodes. I've heard that Pen15 is actually really good. Yeah, I haven't had had a chance to check it out just because Hulu is the one last subscription service that I just cannot add since I subscribe to like five other things and just I can't do it. Um, but I've heard lots of good things about that. I'll, I'll say this yeah. about these three, and and we've only touched on this, but if you, and, and Jose, you did an amazing job. We could not even come close to kind of going through these three in, in terms of their past and what they put out. But think about all the artists. Hey, who had the banana slug thing, man? Exactly. Well, okay. <laughs> you get a gold star. Uh, but if you if you think about the people that are working in the industry, be it TV, film, whatever it is, these three are constantly putting something out. And regardless of what you think about their humor, they are always doing some very interesting stories. And I love the fact that, I mean, they're not slowing down. They're just, they keep going. They're, they're, they never stop, never stopping. They never stop, never stopping. And the, the fact that they just seem to bring a lot of talent and kind of build it out from the ground up. I, I, I love that aspect of it. I mean, 
too many stories out there of nepotism and everything else in Hollywood. And here are three guys who just became friends and worked it, you know, from, you know, really grassroots and look what they're doing now. I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a really cool story, man. I, I would love for them to kind of sit down and do their own little documentary and, and just show their own home movies and, and kind of journey all the stuff that they're doing. I bet Apatow would do that. I guarantee you. I mean, um, there's a good movie they, just in their story. They, don't they have an, like, don't they have, they don't have an Academy award, but I mean, they've been nominated. Everything is awesome. Was nominated for best song. Yeah. yeah. Grammys and everything else. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, true. That, that's the thing. You look at music, you look at TV and film, uh, the writing. I, these are three really, in my opinion, super talented guys that I, I think can do everything. They really can from a comedy perspective. And please get on Brooklyn nine, nine, that show never fails to make me wheeze laughing with asthma. Sammy, it's so both good. Of Troy and I and said, yes, you need to watch Brooklyn nine, nine. So maybe, I, maybe I, I think that's going to be, I'm going to have to start watching season one over Christmas because I've gotten so many texts and messages about that television show. I did not realize there was such a big fan base for that show, but apparently everybody loves it. So yeah, it's, I got to watch it now because I, I was shocked. Well, okay. So real quick, Jose, any connection to Showgirls? Nothing? Or or the none. sequel to Showgirls? There, unfortunately, none. No connection to Showgirls. Okay. Well, there was boobs in this one and there was boobs in Showgirls. So there you go. Yeah. There's the connection. Okay. That works. <laughs> there you go. Well, anybody else you want to talk about that was behind the camera and, and part of the creative process? Mm, no. I mean... Uh, I mean, yes. Okay. How about, how about the costume designer actually? Because, okay. you know, I think the, I think the costumes in here, it, you know, this is like one of those kind of like costume jobs where it's, it's kind of sly and you don't notice the stuff, but since they're skewering or lampooning, you know, uh, celebrity status and what people are wearing. And then even what goes into the, like the concert production, Sophie, D. Rakoff is the costume designer. And I don't know. I think she, I, I thought she did a great job with this. Um, interestingly enough, she appears to be Reese Witherspoon's favorite because she has been the costume designer on nearly everything Reese Witherspoon has ever done. Oh, okay. The Legally Blonde movies, Sweet Home Alabama, Just Like Heaven for Christmases, This Means War, and the current morning show. And oddly enough, she's a credited costume designer for the Grand Theft Auto 2 game. What? Weird, right? Costume designer for a video game? For a video game. It's in her IMDb credit. Weird, right? Huh. You know, someday I just want to go for like weird video game credits I didn't know well, exist. That, and that's a weird one too, because that's not the 3D one. Two is top down. It's the one on the PlayStation one where you're looking. That's the old style one, not the 3D one. Were there cutscenes in it or something? No, not really. No, oh. that's weird. Okay. Yeah, it's. I saw that on her on her IMDb, and I'm like, what? all right, all right. Well, hey, we'll give it to her. We're not we're not going to throw a flag on the field and challenge yet. Oh. Hey, she got paid. She got <laughs> paid. That's good. Well, let's talk about the people in front of the camera. So this is interesting. Okay, so we actually have Andy Yorman Akiva in front of the camera. They all play three. Well, they're they're the three main characters, right? Connor, Owen, and Lawrence. We've talked probably about Andy and 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 these two ad nauseum already. So let's talk about the people that are around our, our three main players. And let's start with Sarah Silverman. You guys a Sarah Silverman fan? Mm -hmm. I think yep. she's very funny. Yeah. Very funny. Hysterical. 
I I really do enjoy her. She plays Paula, and I didn't know this. Silverman was nominated for a 2009 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series for her portrayal of a fictionalized version of herself in her Comedy Central series, The Sarah Silverman Program. Now, what makes this significant is this marked Comedy Central's first ever nomination in a scripted acting category. So she has that going And it was a woman. Yeah. And in 2008, she won a primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics for her musical collaboration with Matt Damon. I'm fucking Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. Won an Emmy for that. Uh, I feel like she's one of those comedians that if if you just turn on your TV or go to the theater, she's there. I mean, she's been in so many different films. Another one that uh, he's been around for a long time, and I like him a lot, is Tim Meadows. He plays Harry, the manager. Love Tim Meadows. Yeah, I, I totally didn't realize his stint at Saturday Night Live. It ran from 1991 to 2000 for 100, 183 episodes approximately. Wow. His big SNL film, or, you know, Lauren Michaels gave him a chance based on a on a skit that he did, was The Ladies' Man that he did in 2000. What are your guys' opinion of that film? I got so much humor out of the ladies man because we would always say and do it in the butts after pretty much <laughs> everything and we got so much mileage out of that so i have to give it up to tim meadows for allowing me and my friends to say stupid random things and then at the end of it say and do it in the butt thank you tim meadows okay but but you say so you're still fan gonna of the say movie. oh it's a lady <laughs> <laughs> I'll still even do that too. The movie maybe not so successful. The movie's not great, but, but I yeah, yeah. I enjoy yeah. the film. I, the The movie is it's not I, good. It's it's okay. I I will say this: it has some moments Troy, you're to being it. Nice. it is I not am a being good nice. Movie. I I think the ladies' man is one of those things that the reason why it gets a pass for me is because of Tim Meadows. I he he manages to do something with that character. Not all the jokes land. Uh, the, I think Will Ferrell is in there for a bit part and has an exchange. It's not all that funny, but everything that Tim Meadows does with that character, I, I actually happen to like. So that Leon one, get, Phelps. Leon Phelps, that Leon, one gets a pass. The other one in here is Chris. Like his delivery. I think that Tim Meadows, he has a very unique way. It's very smooth and it's sly. And the punchline usually just kind of creeps up on you. He's just really great. I, I love his, delivering like yeah he's amazing i love the fact that he can move from just the everyday kind of conversation into absurd over the top so quickly and effortlessly and then come right back to just being calm cool and collected you don't see a lot of actors who can make that transition and make it work uh any surprises with you all the time he does it in this film too which i i like in one bit but I don't know. I'm a big Tim Meadows fan. You can go back and look at his filmography. He's in everything as well. I feel like, you know, this film is composed of a lot of people that are in a lot of films and they don't necessarily have these big roles outside of the three. You probably got Sarah Silverman and Tim Meadows and then Chris Red as Hunter. Now, Chris Red also comes from Saturday Night Live. He was in uh, the seasons from 2017 to 2001 to, or excuse me, 2021 just recently. And he was also in a film, Vampires versus the Bronx, in 2020. So I think he's one of the newer comedians that are out there. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the three that you'll probably get the most screen time outside of um, Andy, Jorma, and uh, Akiva. You know who doesn't get a whole lot of screen? Oh, I'm sorry. One of the things. Oh, I was going to say. 
Yeah, one at a time, well, guys. I, I was I, I was gonna say one of the names you see flash up uh, when the film starts is you're like, oh, Joan Cusack. You're like, oh, I'm gonna get to see Joan Cusack in this movie. Don't blink because you'll miss her. Yeah, like two scenes. I think but, she's in there. But her role is kind of hysterical. It is funny. It <laughs> is funny. But she needed a little bit more time. She's Joan Cusack for crying out loud. But anyway, go ahead, Jose. I interrupted you twice. I, Oh, it's all good. I was going to say that um, Chris Red really, really surprised me. Um, I will explain why I had to watch this twice. Um, but he really stole the show. I think his performance is so intense. And like with his like big bug eyes and his, you know, the prankishness of his character, um, he really stood out to me. Like I would be like, if I saw his name on a future movie, I'd be like, I'm there. I'm I'm watching. Like oh, he, okay. I, I think he was so good in this. Really, really, honestly, he blew me away. Um, and then just for for me, just a couple more people to shout out. Um, there's a guy in there. His name is Danny Strong. Yes, he um, he's the yeah, perspective he's manipulator. The, <laughs> he's also in the um, the uh, tortoise um, funeral pool oh, scene. Yes. Yeah, um, but. I love Danny Strong, but I, I think people don't realize he's a screen a screenwriter. Um, but he created Empire, the t- the television show. Oh, okay. Um, but he was also one of the three big bads on um, Buffy. He played Jonathan. Yes, that's um, right. I think that was season. Yeah. Uh, was it season five? Something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But he's actually an accomplished screenwriter. Like, look him up. Uh, there's a chauffeur driver. A big bald guy, uh, Derek Mears. He's a stuntman. He played Jason in the Friday Thirteenth reboot. He played Swamp Thing in the DC um, television series. Great stuntman, big sweetheart, just the nicest guy. He's in it for about two seconds, and then I don't know if you noticed this, but the the hammer leg, the the Weird metal Al group, is the leader. And yeah. I it, I actually they yell it in the commentary. And I was like, that's not him. And, him. and sure enough, I was like, Oh my God, it's weird. Al. Once you know, it's no him. Idea. And then when you see him again, you go, Oh, that's weird. Al. But yeah, he's the uh, lead singer of hammer leg. Uh, hammer leg. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's funny you bring this up, Jose. There, there's really, uh, let's say there are six main players within the film and the rest of the film is composed of a couple of minutes of these six people interacting with a dozen plus other stars. And I'll, I use the word stars. Oh yeah. This film yeah. is jam packed with other actors, actresses, and a ton of cameos from like the current music industry. So I'm going to, I'm going to read these just to give you an, an idea of how many people show up in front of the camera. So we talked about Amy, uh, Andy, uh, Yorma, Akiva, right? And then we've got Sarah, Tim, and Chris. Those are our six. It's those six interacting with the rest of these people. We've got Bill Hader, right? Zippy, the roadie, in it for maybe four minutes. Danny Strong, the perspective manipulator. You talked about that. Will Forte's in it for a second as the bagpipe player. Justin mm-hmm. Timberlake is Tyrus Quash, the personal chef. Uh, then you've got Will Arnett, Eric Andre, Mike Berbiglia, and Chelsea Peretti. They played the CMZ reporters. You got Kevin Nealon in for a quick cameo as the photographer. Paul Shear as the wolf handler. Emma Stone, uncredited, as Claudia Cantrell. So she's in the music video. Maya Rudolph shows up a couple times, sort of in the beginning of the film, towards the end of the film. 
Joan Cusack, which we already talked about. She plays or she plays Connor's mom, right? Tilly. Mm-hmm. Yep. You get Imogene Poots as Ashley, James Buckley as James Buckley, Edgar Blackman as Eddie. Uh, actually, no, James Buckley played, I think, the other uh, entourage he the guy. Yes, he's playing one of the yes men. He's right? playing one of the yes men. Yeah. Yes I don't know why mm-hmm. I wrote his name down twice, but yeah. We talked about Weird Al. So those are the other actresses, actors that are playing characters. Then we have all the cameos as themselves. We get Akon, ASAP Rocky, Big Ah. Boy, Michael (laughs) Bolton. ASAP. It's ASAP Rocky. No, it's as soon as possible Rocky. That's it's right there. Okay. I'm reading it. Wow. Right there. ASAP Rocky. Viewers, you cannot... I'm sorry, listeners cannot see Troy turning red. Please red. continue. Please continue. No, no, no. This is, this is how little uh-huh. this is how little Maya rolls. Okay. Okay. Um, Michael Bolton, Wynn Butler, Mariah Carey, which I think she delivers, in my opinion, the funniest line of the film. Regine Chasney. Did I say that right? Uh, Simon Cowell, Danger Mouse. I thought that was a cartoon. Was that a Nickelodeon? Uh, it's a cartoon? producer name. Okay. okay. Uh, DJ Khaled. All right. Jimmy Believe. Fallon, 50 Cent, Steve Higgins, Adam Levine, Nas, Pink, Questlove. Uh, oh, I like Questlove. Uh, the Roots, RZA, right? The, no. the Reza. Oh, that's Reza. The, the RZA. Seal. The RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Okay, keep going. Martin Sheen, Snoop Dogg, Ringo Starr, the Beatle himself. Nope. Uh, Asa Takone, is that his sister? Okay. His brother. Oh, brother. Uh, one half of Electric Guest. Oh, okay, okay. T.I., yeah. I, those are just initials, I guess. That's they're not. They're not. No, no. no they're not? Okay. Uh, Carrie Underwood. Usher. You would recognize yep. T.I. from he was in American Gangster and a few other movies. He's oh, Bakers. Yeah, yeah, he's an actor. Yeah. I know Usher because I can't remember if Cameron or or Angel is an Usher baby. One of them is a Backstreet Boy. No, one of them is a Boys to Men baby and the other one's an Usher baby. What? Excuse me? You, yeah. I think he's is hinting this like at the song you were the making? Song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can we please yeah. not talk yes. about this, yeah. Ron Howard? Can we not talk about what's no one? One of them's an usher problem. baby. I can't. Re- I, oh, I think Angel's the usher baby, and wow. Boys to Men is the is uh, Cameron baby. Okay. Um, oh boy, Pharrell wow. Williams and Miley Cyrus. There you go. So those are the the cameos themselves. So this film literally is uh, our our three main actors and then three other actors actresses running around interacting with uh, 40 people at a couple of minutes of time. And that makes our movie. There's no, there's no production stories. There's nothing uh, behind the scenes. Apparently it ran pretty smooth, short, short shoot came in on schedule. No incredible test screening stories or budgets, unless you know something, Jose. I mean, it seemed like it uh, all went well. Well, I was a little, go ahead. I did find it kind of funny when we were talking about hot rod, one of the things that helped Hot Rod become such a cult classic was it made $25 million additional dollars on the home media market. Uh, this one only made $1.1 million, and that just kind of comes to show you just how far like 
home video sales have, have fallen. I don't think it's any quality of this movie. It's just there was a time where people just bought Blu-rays and DVDs all the time. Is, is it that, is it that is it that is, it's fallen or? Well, we'll talk about it. There's just so much choice too. I mean, it's hard to. There is, but I would I, see that that's almost a fallacy of logic in my opinion. So you can't look at one thing and say, because the home media sales make it a cult following and then look at the other one and say, well, the home media sales weren't as good. So therefore people still love this film. They just love it in a different format or there's different choices. I actually think people may, <laughs> they didn't see it when it came out in the theater and I don't think this is as well known a film as Hot Rod or some of the others they've done, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I would argue that at all. Yeah. 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 I think it's yeah. a combination of a lot of things, but one of them being his home video sales just isn't what it used to be. Oh, I, I agree, but I, I don't think this thing's burning up the charts on streaming either. So No, no. <laughs> Uh, well, any, anything else to share? So let me ask you this. Does, does it make sense that in 2016, this thing bombed as big as it has? And let's be honest. I, I don't think this one is, uh, given the cult status that something like hot rod is. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's still, well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about all this stuff when we, when we get into it. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was that I was surprised that it, that this cost $20 million because, you know, if the commentary is to be believed, and I have a critique about that commentary, <laughs> which I'll talk about later, but if the commentary is to be believed that some of these shots, like the cameos, they were just, they like rolled them in. Like the, the, the celebrity person came in, they just shot in front of a camera, did the lines, did a couple takes. Thanks. Great. Um, they were saying that even some of the scenes were shot on like iPhones and then they like uploaded it or whatever, this and that. I believe that. And that some, some of the audience scenes are spliced in one direction concerts. Um, and so when you see the shots of like the, the crowd and they're like, you know, dancing or whatever, they were borrowed from like one direction. They shot a lot of this at the forum, the, the concert stuff at the forum, but again, I'm just, I'm surprised it was 20 million. I can see 25 million for Hot Rod, but 20 million for this, I, I, I don't know. I'm just a little hey, shocked. They, they, by show, that. they show a sequence with um, uh, Steven Tyler dancing to, I think, that song at the end. And that looked like it was either shot on an iPhone or it was pulled from something else because that shot didn't yeah. belong in the audience that they were showing. So I do believe that this was kind of pieced together. I, I do think, and again, it's anecdotal. Hot Rod is a is a PG thirteen film. Oh, that's one, what I was going to talk about. Is the ratings? Yeah, this one's rated R. Yeah, so yeah, they got you know probably their butts handed to them was super bad, and then turned around and do an R rated comedy. And the thing of it is, though, I will again talk with folks, and people will have seen Hot Rod and speak highly of Hot Rod. And pop star for some reason is just not on people's radar. So I don't know if at 2016 we've run the course of the R rated comedy because hangover three is done now, right? That's a few years in the past. R rated comedies. I mean, we just listed the comedies in 2016, not a good year for comedies. To me, when you look at this, when it came out that year, it's an R rated comedy from the lonely Island. I, I just, it, <laughs> To me, this this makes sense that it did so poorly. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, and I, I don't know if mockumentaries are always that successful. They have a long tail. Like even Spinal Tap wasn't like a huge movie. It just it wasn't. Long tail. And I, I think with mockumentaries, you have to be so good that word of mouth has to carry you across the finish line in terms of financial success or even notoriety. And if you misstep at any point of it, uh, and, and parodies in general, if if you don't really nail it, they get judged so harshly. I mean, think about all the mockumentaries out there that people are like, well, it's not that great. At the end of the day, it could be an okay film, but if it doesn't hit that A plus quality, nobody's talking about it. And and let's face it, Christopher Guest has got the, the market on it. You know, I didn't, um, I didn't bother to look at the trailers. Uh, did they market it as a mockumentary or did they just market it as like, Andy Samberg doing Justin Bieber. Uh, they did not lean into the mockumentary stuff very hard. Yeah. Uh, they, okay. Was, the trailer is actually quite, uh, I don't know. I didn't, when you show people the trailer, I feel like you could show the trailer and go, really, the movie is funnier than the trailer. The, the trailer is not giving you anything good. That might've been a problem too. You know, just in terms of the marketing, well, because they, I mean, R rated comedies, there, there's always going to be an audience for it. Like, like I just looked up Booksmart. That was rated R, which I love. And that movie. It fe- uh, it's a great movie. Um, I think, but obviously, I think it had, you know, a different slant. Basically, that was super bad for for girls. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think that I think that was a hit. It was rated R. People came out for it. I think that at least with Popstar and their R rating, it probably was a miscalculation because I think their real audience should have been you know, some of the people that lean into pop stars, some of that younger demographic, and maybe the PG 13ers would have been like, well, I don't know what this movie is. I know Andy Samberg, let's go see it. And then people our age would also sort of like be in on the joke too. Yeah, Like so they're th- taking th- the piss out of people. Let's go see it. That's funny. And yeah, get in yeah. That's not in the trailer. Audience. Yeah, I, I, no. I thought it was kind of odd that in the trailer, the song that they feature the most is the Mona Lisa song. So, and, which is in it for seconds. Yeah. And, and it's the weakest you know, song in the whole this, soundtrack. Yeah. For this to be PG 13, you will not get the Bin Laden song. You oh, will not get yeah, the yeah. Bin Laden song. So, I mean, but they don't, I don't, they don't know. Even do the humble song. And there's, you know, <laughs> all right. There's some, yeah, cursing in there. But yeah. All right. Well, Jose, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. This was a first time watch for you. Brad and I had seen it before. We introduced you to this. I, I think when we were kind of putting this month together, this was the one that I really wanted you to come on the show and talk about because it this this does kind of mock the music industry, pop, dancing, the whole nine yards, and, and sort of pop culture in general. So I'm really curious about your thoughts on it and whether or not it works and, and if it's a funny film. But I, I just want to get your initial reaction. So first time watched, you've already said you watched it twice. And I, I'm assuming the second time is with the commentary, right? I'm just gathering that. Uh, well, actually, believe it or not, I I watched it through twice and then listened to the commentary. Oh, okay. So that's a, yeah. that's a three. I kind of did my research, I guess. Dang, all right. <laughs> all right. I feel underprepared. Okay, I feel ahead. very underprepared. So... Put us so this is okay going into this you know knowing the lonely island knowing the shorts knowing the artists that they collaborated with knowing the albums the comedy albums the shorts the music videos knowing all of that 
this sounds tailor-made for the Lonely Island. And even when it starts, three friends and their rap art, you know, whatever, I'm like, okay, this is it. This, this is their big movie for them to come out. And I got to tell you, I was really disappointed by it. Oh, um, okay. In fact, I think the movie dies a painful death um, at a certain point, And then it just becomes kind of, I don't want to say it becomes unfunny because there's things there, there there's things in the latter half of the movie that, that are funny that are, you know, comedic that ring true. But, but like I said, it just, I think it just exhausts itself and, and sort of plays itself out. Um, and that is the reason why I had to watch it a second time, because I wasn't sure, you know, as, you know, jazzed up as I was to watch it, you know, was I just in a different mood or what have you? Um, and so the second time that I saw it for, for the good, I'll tell you where the problem spot is, but uh, for the first like 50, 55 minutes or whatever, on, even on the second the second watch, I was laughing out loud over certain things. I mean, the uh, the uh, equality song, the not gay song, like hysterical, <laughs> absolutely hysterical. Um, the not gay, <laughs> not gay, <laughs> sexual freedom, not gay. <laughs> and then pink, of course. Um, and then their skewering of certain things, like I mean, you know, I, I something I turned. Uh, my husband on to, which was, you know, with any screenplay, they're, they're going to basically set you up for the movie in the beginning. So if you're going to pay attention at any time, it's the beginning. Yeah. And so when this began, they start off with like, you know, the, the kids in the home video. And then it, you know, talks about them like whatever. And then it shoots over to like Connor and him being like, I was born dope and da 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 or whatever. And so right there, you already see, okay, it's going to be a breakup story, right? And then they're going to come back together, right? Oh, it's super predictable. Um, I mean, it's that's, absolutely yeah. predictable. Um, there's stuff that, again, that first 50 minutes, I mean, even the second time around, I was laughing out loud. Um, the sort of skewering of how they talk to each other, like in the industry um, there, there's this really sort of like confounding scene where he is complaining to Tim Meadows about how he didn't sell out the arena. And if you listen to that dialogue again, he complains about something. He complains about that. Tim Meadows says the exact same thing back to him. And somehow it assuages his fears that he had not sold out the arena. Because it's not about like, that. Yeah, they do that what? a couple of times. It's, well, the record yes. sales aren't this. And he goes, well, we know it's not about the record sales. Well, okay then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he uses the same information. <laughs> so 15,000 tickets. No one sells out the staples or whatever it says. And then Hammerleg just sold it out. I know. <laughs> I can't sell it out. It's <laughs> even the second time watching that, I was like, what did they just say? But, yeah. um, but, you know, some of the stuff that's in here, I mean, obviously they're, they're lampooning the Beastie Boys, uh, breakups, like One Direction and how one person or even like... Uh, Wait, One uh, Direction broke up? In sync? 
in sync destiny's child about how like one you know, direction one broke person, up <laughs> yes one direction Damn broke it. Up. btw it was all zane's fault i blame zane i don't know what you just said but i'm gonna <laughs> agree with you <laughs> see pop music is my domain i love one direction anyway um but I'm still trying to get you know, past asap rocky so <gasps> I'll have to look it's into this great. ASAP and this RZA. They sound dope. <laughs> RZA, please. Okay. But, you know, I mean, it, ostensibly, it almost even seems like they really are kind of riffing on Justin Bieber, but they've come out and said they did not, like, like mimic this around Justin Bieber. Seriously, Bieber? off Sorry, of I that drum Bieber. thing they do in the, the beginning with thing, the baby. Yeah. yeah, that's out of a Justin Bieber. Isn't that straight out of that Believe movie or whatever? Yeah. And Justin then his Bieber. other one, Never Say, what is it, Never Say Never or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, And yet they've come out and said, no, 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 Bieber was not the inspiration for this, but there's just too much that's similar, right? Bieber and exotic pets, he's got a, it's yeah. actually a tortoise, but he calls it a turtle. So come on. Um, but, it, was it on brains? Weren't you on brainstorm with us? Remember yes. the director was like, those aren't angels at the edge. And you're like, no, those are definitely angels. <laughs> yeah, those, those are, are definitely angels. angels. Exactly. <laughs> like, we didn't make this about Bieber. And you're like, no, it's no, no, no. About no, it's Fine. about Bieber. Yeah. yeah. You can say whatever you want, but we know, we know. Yes. And okay. the songs are great. I mean, and, and again, the CMZ thing has me laughing because I didn't realize TMZ became a television show. And when I tuned in, and they're all sitting around and doing that banter. And there's like the quick zooms on everybody in like the newsroom. I'm like, what the hell am I watching? So like, that's like spot on. I love that. So the point where it broke bad for me is the three P's. <laughs> um, Parent Trap, Penis, and Pancakes. That's when the movie goes really, really south for me. And, and like I said, it just... So if you have... The comedy, the absurdism, the smart commentary, the polit- the pop cultural commentary, but you bring it back with heart. I think you can save the movie. That movie did. This movie did not bring it back with the heart. Like, so Andy Samberg, it, you know, admits his shortcoming. They smoke weed and then they get back together as the Style Boys. Like, that didn't feel. It didn't feel redemptive. And the movie slows down too when like they get to Akiva Schaefer's character and he's like supposedly his farmer, but he's like bumbling everything and he's like getting splinters and like all that stuff. The, the, the last half of the movie just did not work for me. And, and I was expecting this awesome song, you know, this great song because, you know, the songs before it are really, really clever, like and amazing. And then the deep thoughts, the, the, you know, whatever, what was that? What was called the deep thoughts thing or whatever with Michael Bolton? It just fell flat. That whole number just fell flat. It wasn't, it wasn't smart. It wasn't buzzy like any of the other ones. I wouldn't see myself singing that. And the lyrics, well, the lyrics aren't supposed to make sense, but like the, the cat's snorting cocaine and, and what it just, no, Michael Bolton, that was funny. Usher doing the donkey roll. That's fine. But it just, it really, really kind of fell flat. And this should have been their shining moment. Um, and I mean, like I said, that first 50 minutes, gold. I would probably watch this again for those first 50 minutes up until where the wolves come. And then after that, I'd probably just stop it. But that makes me think sometimes, and this, I think this is a problem we have with SNL shows or SNL movies, is how do you take a five minute skit 
or even a collection of five minute skits and stitch together a 90, a coherent 90 minute movie that holds like the viewer's attention. So, you know, sometimes it works. I didn't think Coneheads would work and it was a damn good movie. You know, I didn't think Superstar would work. And I've, I own that and I watch it over and over again. I think it's Let's hysterical. Things we can't take back. <laughs> now i i love superstar i thought it was i thought it was a great show but a great movie you could go but to like, wayne's world you could just say wayne's world you'd be fine or i could say wayne's world exactly <laughs> um and i think just for this one it maybe this kind of idea is better as an hour like seven seven days in hell like an hour short um versus a feature length film okay all right yeah well brad this was this was your pick right it was my pick. Okay. So what, what are your thoughts on your third or fourth viewing of Popstar? Are, are, do you fall in the same camp as Jose or? What? I, I gotta, I gotta disagree with Jose quite a bit on this one. I, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, absurdist deadpan comedy is, is kind of my wheelhouse when it comes to things. I love when people look directly into the camera and they are just so deadpanned and just selling it so hard. I love that. And if you can do it well, it's so funny to me. Um, I just, I, I dig it so much. I, and of course, like this one has like the homages to the BC boys and the RZA is in this movie. His name is RZA. Yeah. The, that's the RZA whole, guy, right? Yeah. Right. There's a whole like, you know, communication about the Wu-Tang Clan and like, oh, we're better than the Wu-Tang Clan. And then they literally have to stop you. Like, ah, actually that just sounded wrong when I said it. Um, and there's, you know, a ton of people in this movie, so many cameos. Um, I think the songs are, I hate musicals, period. Yeah, we Art know. Stop. We know. <laughs> hate, hate them. Hate them. Because it just feels so unnatural to me to be, here we are having a conversation, and then here we are dancing. And you're like, wait, that's, wait, what, what are we doing? This one is like, it's natural the way the music comes into it, because a, it's either like they're making music or he's at a concert. That to me is not really a musical. It's just how things are going uh, in the natural order of, of, of how it would happen. Um, and I really think the music in this is really funny. Um, and it works for me. I mean, the Bin Laden song is probably one of the funniest things I've seen. Um, the humble, I mean, it, it there's, all, all of them except for, I think, the um, – what's the one that you said, Jose, that wasn't the, the – Deep Thoughts or whatever at the end? No, I like that one quite a bit. It's the other one. The Mona Lisa? Uh, yeah, Mona Lisa. I think Mona oh, Lisa yeah. is kind of, kind of stupid. Uh, I mean, they're all stupid, but some of them are stupid but funny. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it's about friendship and guys being weird and having egos and – all this like kind of pseudo masculine crap that gets in the way. And then at the end, you're just like, you know what? I'm sorry. It's hard for me to say sorry because apparently guys are terrible at saying sorry to each other. And we're just going to smoke weed and become friends again. And that, you know, okay, cool. Let's, let's go. Um, I'm good with that. Um, I mean, I can see how you don't like it. Jose. like, it's, there is like a weird tonal shift when they kind of get together and, you know, oh, we're buddies again. But then you can see Tim Meadows slap a dude, and you're like, okay, awesome. I'm, I'm <laughs> that, that was I'm a here. that was a great highlight. Yeah, that was a great yeah. moment. Um, so I really, I really, really like this movie. But of course, I think the Lonely Islands, 
And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is because they kind of do the comedy that I like the most. Um, it's that absurdist kind of that deadpan sort of deal. Um, and mockumentaries, I like quite a bit. Um, like I said, Spinal Tap, Best in Show are some of my favorite movies of all time. And this one, I don't think it's as good as those, but I, I definitely like it. Um, and I definitely like that. It's like taking the piss out of, you know, pop music and pop culture and celebrityism and all that stuff. And cause it is at the end of the day, all trash, but for some reason, like it's important to us. Um, and that's okay. Like whatever's important to you is important to you. But, um, so I dig it. I dig it a lot. Uh, I dig the chemistry of, uh, Yorma and, uh, Andy Sandberg's character quite a bit or the lack thereof that goes on and then kind of their reconciliation and then getting Akiva's character back into it. Um, you know, they don't make movies that are two hours long. They make movies that are 90 minutes. And I think that's the perfect length for these movies. Cause I think if you're looking at a hundred to, you know, 110 minute film, it's going to get kind of old, but I would tell you, as soon as I was done watching the movie, I went to the special features and I watched literally all the music videos that they had. Like they have <laughs> some that aren't that are extended from the, the movie and then some that aren't even really in the movie at all. And I just sat there and watched it like after it was over. And I was like, this is funny to me. I laughed at, like at pretty much everything. So I dug it a lot. Wow. We got a split decision here. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was, okay. I was just going to add, um, Yorma's father is half Italian and half Puerto Rican. Oh, really? <laughs> Odd fact. Yeah. yeah. Odd fact. I think he's very good looking. Um, but the other thing that I was going to say was that, um, yeah, the penis moment. Oh, yes. <laughs> that was super awkward. <laughs> super awkward. And by the way, they have been saying that it was Judd Apatow's penis. Okay. Dude, if that's his penis, congratulations. So I have a weird theory. And, um, oh boy. you know, if, if the Lonely Island is listening to this, I wish they would confirm it, but I don't think they're going to confirm it. First of all, I love Judd Apatow. He's very hairy. Okay. This person shaved the penis. All right. But when I paused it, no, I did not pause it to look at the penis. I paused it because whoever's penis it is, you can see part of that person's face before, you know, it goes slappity slap all over the glass. I am convinced it is Nate Faxon. Do you know who that actor is? Nope. I've no heard clue. that name before. He's, he's worked with Apatow and the Lonely Island before. Um, he's had a couple shows um, on television, all of which I'm, I'm blanking. Uh, he was the boyfriend at the beginning of Bad Teacher um, who was like, you know, the next generation is going to lose opera. Anyway, yeah. I'm convinced when I saw just the portion of the nose and the mouth, the penis belongs to Nat Faxon. Hmm. Anyway, this is kind of like that discussion in that Star Wars podcast back when they were talking about left. Daniel Craig back, right, back being in a stormtrooper. Yeah, getting or those kind of cameras. Han shot first. Yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. I want to know whose hog that is. That's what, yes. Let's get out of that. Yeah, exactly. we'll, we'll wait for some listener email on that one for their theories. Uh, I might, you know, honestly, I'm maybe I'll warm up to it. I got to tell you, e even the second time I, I was still laughing really hard in certain scenes. So I, yeah. So, <clears throat> well, let's see what dad has to say. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it is the movie funny. 
yes, it has some very funny moments. Okay. Uh, but I, I think all of the cameos and comedic bit parts really don't add up to much. I'm, I'm right down the middle. I'm with you, Brad. There are some extremely funny parts to it, but I agree with you, Jose, the, the last half and especially that last song, uh, the worst song I've ever heard in my entire life. Like every time it's on the radio, I just want to just drive the car into a ditch, uh, or off a cliff or something is summer girls by LFO, I think is the worst thing ever put like I would compare that song Can to any atrocity that has ever happened in the world that ha- happened to do with genocide LFO putting that into the world is the equivalent to genocide in my opinion can I make a confession if you say you love that song I'm no, ending no. the podcast no. right now so uh, <laughs> when I was a freshman in college in a soft no and in my sophomore year um, I didn't have class on Fridays Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have a job that I just did on Fridays, you know, as a, it was like a second little gig. Uh, so I worked at the Abercrombie and Fitch at the mall and yeah. Were you yep. a shirtless model? I, I had to do that for, for, for the, the winter one time. And it was, uh, I knew it. Yeah. It was embarrassing. I knew it. it so you, uh, you live the LFO song is what you're saying. I did. I, that's what I was gonna <laughs> say, yes. and so like I, there is like this Abercrombie Woods cologne that I can still smell in like the back of my nose that I'll, I'll, I'll wake up in like cold shakes every once in a while and have that smell in my just, Oh, it's, I wait. It's I, I have there. that same yeah. reaction to this damn song ever since they put it on the radio, but uh, no. When was the last I, time you heard that song? It's been a long gee, time. Gee, Christmas. If you have XM, it pops up on something, and you're just like, all right, well, okay. time time to this just. This is why I didn't get XM, because uh, <laughs> that's why I didn't sign up for Sirius, because terrible. you get stuff like that. That, But, I mean, that last song, it's, it's not quite the level of just horribleness that is LFO Summer Girls. It's close. It's terrible. Is it Magnificent Thoughts? Is that what it's called? I, I don't know. It's Terrible Thoughts. It's mm. just terrible song. But, anyways. Deep Thoughts? Deep thoughts. I don't know. Leading up to that, um, I, I, I do a, a kind of agree with Jose that the back third of this film is not its strongest part. It, it really is the first two thirds. And it really does feel like one big SNL musical skit. Uh, and, and it works for the most part. But I don't know. Here's the thing. I think anybody who loves this movie is going to say it's smart because it's poking fun at the music industry and at the pop star idols. But for me, the movie shares the same problem as the last action hero. And so if you go back way back to the beginning of the podcast, we talked about that film and and here's the conundrum, right? How do you create a joke or comment on something by heightening the absurdity when the real life subject is already doing that? So with the last action hero, what we talked about is how do you parody a genre of film that was already kind of making fun of itself? That's really hard to do. How do you turn something up to 11 that's already been turned up to 11? Yeah. Or in, or in some yeah, case, you're at things. 11 and the real world is really at 14 or 15, right? Mm, okay. Yeah. So pop star feels like it hits the absurd highs at some points. However, it, it really just looks and sounds like the real world pop star antics. Like it's not funny because you can see that crap um, anytime you turn on MTV 
or TMZ or BET or VH1 or anything related to the music industry, you're already seeing that stuff. So it, it, it loses the absurdness, right? So the commentary on the industry and the personalities isn't that scathing. And I think the comedy can fall flat or you don't know it's supposed to be comedic or a comment because it looks it looks so much of what's going on already in the real world. And I have some examples. So the, uh, the one skit is how Connor becomes famous on his own. He does this catchphrase rap and turn up the beef. And that's supposed to be funny, right? That is every rap song since 1994. So Dude, what's okay. funny about that? <laughs> let's, let's stop that. Okay? No, it let's is. Stop. It let's is. Stop. All right. So then you then you get the Aquasquin, Aquaspin products, the fridges and everything. So they're supposed to be playing his music. All right. Well, our fridges today do that. So I don't, maybe that was funny in 2016, but all of our appliances are basically an iPod anymore. So, um, <laughs> The finest girl. So that's the Bin Laden song, right? <laughs> you know, that might have been pushing the boundaries back in 2016, but it's not as nasty as the songs out there by Nicki Minaj, like uh, WAP. Is is that the name WAP, of the song? WAP, yeah. yeah. WAP, okay. Yeah. Um, and then the wardrobe malfunction. Don't be going around saying WAP all the time. Okay, I'm, okay I won't say that. The w, uh, can I say WAP? This is like a, not, a without papers situation. Without just, papers. Is that what it stands for? Okay. And, no, no, that's... No. All right. Yes. You're saying that's an a. and it's yeah. all right. It's WAP. Okay. So, uh, the wardrobe malfunction that Connor goes through because he's doing the magic show, obviously it's poking fun at the Janet Jackson thing, but just what last month brass against the lead singer, like takes a, a, a piss all over a fan that climbs up on the stage. So the stuff that's happening in the real world today is way more shocking than anything that you're going to see. Uh, it, within this film right now, we're, we're like miles away from what happened with Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm sorry. The, the stuff that happens today in concerts, crazy. Then the duet with Michael. That's on TV, period. Yeah, it's on TV, it's period, just, right? So yeah. the duet with Michael Bolton, Bolton, I mean, how many duets like this do you see today that are actually played for seriousness? I mean, Lady Gaga is going back and doing duets with everybody all the classic singers that are supposed to be lounge singers. And all of a sudden it's like, well, here's a Grammy for you. So it, it's not funny because I would imagine well, Elton John is doing, has one with dual Lipa right now. Yeah, there you go. It, that, that would be perfect for this world. But I mean, this, this stuff feels like scenarios and music we see today. So it's not funny or shocking. And, and I'll, I'll say this to Jose, this is my second time viewing it. I do think I laughed more the first time and as it ages, I don't think the comedy is as comedic anymore because I, I don't know. It just feels like the music industry saw this film and decided to just have the real life artists top the Lonely Island's absurdity. And so what was absurd in 2016 was normal for 2018 and we're in 2021 and we've got a whole new absurdity that we just call real life. So I, I don't know what this thing's commenting on anymore. But I'll say this, there, there are some very funny things that I think are even funnier today. Um, the, the comedy and the commentary that actually I think works today better is the I'm so humble song. And when I said earlier, Mariah Carey had just the best line after the interview, she's like, man, I, I instantly connected to that song because I'm the most humble that I know. 
I feel like that's like every celebrity out there, right? And then the other thing that just had me on the floor was the equal rights song. And I did watch the video on the special features when Pink is yelling at him too, which is hilarious. But the whole I'm not gay song, it's a great example of an artist trying to be a social justice warrior and ends up offending everybody or not reading the room correctly. And I think about like the whole Gal Gadot thing during the pandemic. Like here I am on a yacht singing about like we should imagine and it's like, fuck you, Gal Gadot, (laughs) you and your yacht. (laughs) I'm in my basement eating spam and I can't go to work uh, in the office, but I still have to work right in my PJs. So um, yeah, I, I think those two songs are funnier today with all the stuff that's happened and how celebrities try to kind of jump in on the, on the social commentary of things and, and, and bring equality and that issue to the forefront. And they just end up doing more damage than good and make a joke of themselves. I think, I think that's good social commentary. And I think, um, I I don't know. I, I think there are some big laugh out moments for me. I still love seal singing, driving the wolves crazy. I thought that was funny. The argument in the limousine and, and Connor ends up signing that is so awkward but yet it works for that moment. Uh, and, and I, and to me, that's a good case of absurdity where, okay, they're taking a real life moment and it just, they go to the max with that scenario. And are we, are we having a moment where you think seeing a dick in the movie is funny and Jose doesn't? Yes. We, we switched on that one. Yeah, we did. What's going on? Yeah. And now, I knew both of you all. The turtle the vomit, I did not expect, up. and that made me laugh <laughs> only because I didn't expect a turtle. Can a turtle vomit? I need to Google that. Um, and here, here's the thing. Here's here's what kind of bummed me out. Is that one of your verses in uh, Miraculous Thoughts or whatever it's called? Tur- turtle vomit? <laughs> it's, it's called Incredible Thoughts. Incredible, Incredible Thoughts. thoughts. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so there's, there's a sequence, Connor's apology to Lawrence. I, I think it's a really good example of where the writing, the performances are really good. And I was laughing during that sequence, but there is not enough of that in this film. So it was a personal moment. This is where the Lonely Island guys, I think, really hit it out of the ballpark, like in Hot Rod specifically, is they take these these moments and they have this really smart writing and it comes from a heartfelt place. And it's just it's just this awkward moment where they're trying to kind of share their feelings and it's very funny. It's not like laugh out loud. You're going to bust a gut, but you're chuckling through the whole thing, how awkward it is, but how honest it is. And it feels real, but it feels a little absurd. That whole apology sequence to me is the best writing in the film. And this film is really lacking that throughout the rest of it because it's just skit after skit. I mean, Bill Hader comes in and does this whole thing about, oh, I like the movie Flatliners. And so off to the side, I, I like to, I like to, I don't know, kill myself and then breathe. But it's not funny. It's not funny at oh, all. I thought it, I think it's very I funny. I thought it was funny. Uh, I like to sneak in an F line session. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. It, it's, at least once a week. Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> to me, I don't know. I, I, I may be having just this hangover from Hot Rod where I'm going into another film from these guys and expecting, I, I actually think um, I was talking with somebody and they go, hot rod is so dumb. Like they didn't like that film. I'm like, really? It's supposed to be dumb, but did, what about the stuff that's underneath the surface? And they didn't pay attention to it. And to me, that's where I think hot rod strength is, is there's this whole 
connection between the characters and Andy Samberg and, and what he's doing for the stepfather. Like Andy Samberg, this kind of for real, I don't buy any of that last part of it. He's, he's just a dick during the entire film. And, and I, by the time you get to the end of the film, you're like, well, he's, he's high. And so he may be less of a dick, but he's still a dick. I mean, I don't know. I don't think there's much character growth here at all. Yeah. I, I think that they, they missed on the building the heart aspect of hot that was in hot rod with this, um, which kind of brings me to a, brings me to this weird point. Like I told you, I'd talk about the commentary. So in the commentary, they sort of, the three of them are on there, although Yorma is on a cell phone. Um, but during this commentary, they kind of treat the commentary. They don't take it seriously. Right. So they're kind of like joking through the entire commentary. They're not really, they're not really talking about like any anecdotes or anything like that. And it kind of got me thinking, like, I don't think there's anything scarier than a comedian who can't read the room and thinks that everything that they say is hysterical. And I'm certainly not dogging the Lonely Island just based on this commentary for Popstar. But when I was listening to that commentary, I maybe got the distinct feeling that they felt like all of the absurd shit that they write or improv that they believe it's funny. It's paid off certainly with their, with their materials, but I kind of feel like maybe they just think that everything they write is completely hysterical. Anyway, that's what I got from the commentary. And it also made me think that, you know, when you look at Brigsby Bear and you look at Hot Rod, they were based on stories that were not, you know, they don't originate with the Lonely Island. So, you know, Hot Rod had Pam, uh, I forget her name, but she had the she wrote the original story, and then yeah. they sort of came in and, and whatever. Um, and this one, it's all them. I, I don't think that it started with any other writers or any other ideas. It's all theirs. And you know, maybe sometimes they just don't come through because what they think is funny is not actually funny. I'm pretty sure that there is a there's an even funnier mo- movie like in the B rolls and some of the other improvs, because they do let it, let it out of the bag that in the commentary, they improv a ton of this stuff. And I'm sure a lot of this is funny. And curiously enough, when, when Bill Hader drops all the guitars, if you look at the, the, the out, the gag reel um, for the Blu-ray, I think he did that for real because when he drops it and he says, Oh shit, or whatever, he turns to the camera and he goes for real. Oh my God. And then he's like trying to like, pick them up. So I think he actually dropped all those guitars, you know, by accident. Um, but anyway, that's, that was just my thoughts uh, about the commentary and, and maybe they just sort of think all of their absurd stuff is funny. And so they just throw it all into the movie, you know? Um, and the other thing too, more to your point, Troy, about how you're seeing things now, you know, history always repeats itself, right? So a lot of what you see in this movie is actually based although they're not going to say it's Justin Bieber, but a lot of what's in here is based on things that have happened in the music industry. So for example, when they break up and they're sort of like, they're doing the the style boy song, but they're threatening each other. That's actually based on the, how the Eagles broke up. Um, oh, yeah. They, I, uh, but that, how, that's like, my point is like, it, so them breaking up in sort of a public fashion is nothing new in the, in, just look what goes on with right. Fleetwood Mac. I mean, right. between Lindsey Buckingham and in the whole band. So absolutely. I, I, and then the whole like aqua spin thing, 
that, that was sort of like when um, U2's album dropped on yes. everybody's iTunes yeah, account and people like flip their shit, yeah. right? And so it's it's sort of like what Chelsea Peretti says, you know, suddenly they were everywhere in my house and I hated them for real, you know? But yeah, but history tends to repeat itself. So we're always going to see those things. We're always going to see a celebrity stick their, you know, uh, foot, foot in their mouth bands are going to break up. Somebody's going to get an ego. It's, it's just like a, it's a cycle. So let me ask you this. Can we all agree? At least this is my opinion. You can tell me if I'm off base on this. This is spinal tap. I think does the music parody better than this film? Is that, is that a bold statement or is that an accurate statement? No, that's an accurate statement. Okay. Why does it do it better than, why is it better than this one? Probably because it has more heart. You know, I think this I think one, that's it. I, I actually think it has more heart in it and it has a story that goes through it and the absurd moments. They're absurd. I, I just I can't I'll give you I'll give you a great sequence. I can't imagine that a band would go through and put little people dancing at a, at a heavy metal show, putting little people dancing around a rock formation and their reaction to it. And then the fight that happens afterwards, I think that sequence sort of encapsulates why this is spinal tap is so good. The absurdity. I've never seen that before. They like do something that is so absurd that you go, well, that's, that's just ridiculous. But the fallout of that and how everybody reacts to it, there's so much heart and you know, they're hurt as a, well, I drew it on the napkin. I thought that was actual size. I mean, you, you believe all of that, right? It, they sell yeah. it, but it's the performance, it's the script. And they found something that was so absurd that it was funny and it wasn't out there. Uh, and I, th- I think that's what elevates it. And this movie doesn't have any of that. Well, and Spinal Tap also takes his foot off the gas of the absurd of gas as well. So to kind of balance out the absurd parts, you, you kind of, get into this little lull of just things being normal. I feel like pop star is absurd from beginning to end. There's no, there's nothing not in it. That's not absurd. Um, even when you think you're going to have a moment, wolves attack seal. And you're like, yeah. Oh, okay. That's in this movie in, in, uh, in spinal tap. There's moments where it's not just absurd for being absurd purposes. You know, there there's moments that you kind of, you know, don't expect. And then here's something that's absurd, you know, and then I think you kind of have to take your foot off the gas a little bit to let the audience breathe um, and, and definitely get that moment back. And then you can go back to something absurd, but with pop star, it's, it's just a lot. Like it's drinking from a fire hydrant. You're just getting it all at once. Um, And, and, you know, you might not like that. Yeah. It makes sense to say that, Spinal Tap presented absurdity that a general audience could connect with and get to, whereas Pop Stars, it's a little bit like the Zazz movies, like Airplane, right? You're either going to get the joke or you're not, but then here comes another one, you know? And so I think that Pop Star is still kind of esoteric. It's not for everybody. If you don't follow the music field, if you don't watch TMZ, if you don't watch MTV Cribs and all of those reality shows, you're probably not going to lock on to any of that humor. Whereas with Spinal Tap, it was just, it was something we could all like lock into in terms yeah, of it, the absurdity. And it's like, if you don't like this joke or this song, 
wait 10 minutes. We're going to have a different song and you might like that one. Uh, right. Well, there's all the same songs. I mean, they're, they're just different jokes within the song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I like but the, some airplane. of them are better. Qual- I mean, you they, would they are better quality, are better quality. Yeah, okay. especially that last one, that LFO last one. Um, <laughs> but it, no, I, I, to me, pop star is, I, I like the airplane analogy because this is like drinking from the fire hose in terms of jokes, but the jokes are more of airplane two quality than airplane. I mean, it starts like airplane. And then when you get to the back half of it, it quickly turns into airplane two and you're not laughing as hard as you were, I think, in the beginning. And, and don't get me wrong. There are some, just the stuff that I talked about with the I'm so humble, equal rights, the 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 turtle vomit, which, again, still shocks me. There are things that happen in this film that make me laugh out loud, and I enjoy those moments. But I was surprised how disappointed I was, given Hot Rod, that I thought, man, I... I really think that um, you've got some real talent in front of the screen and behind the screen, but it made me kind of realize that the screenwriter of Hot Rod was really um, the MVP of the Lonely Island uh, in, in general. And hey, I liked Hamlet too, and she wrote that screenplay too. So um, I, I'm I'm kind of with you, Jose. I wish. I wish uh, Pam Brady was her name had kind of come into this one and helped out a little bit because, you know, that's the thing with South Park. Pam Brady worked on South Park. I think South Park works because it goes very absurd, but they managed to kind of bring this underlying heart or this story or this connection to everything. Whereas I do think the problem with pop star is it's cameo after cameo after bit after bit and not all of them land. And when they do, they are pretty funny, but you, this whole thing between Connor Owen and Lawrence, I don't care about it. I really don't. And that that's like the biggest crime of this film is you got these three friends and you don't care. Like the, the big third act reveal, they got high and then they made a song. Really? That, okay, cool. That's about as, I guess, deep as this film is. Sure. And like, and like I said, in the beginning, you see that home video of them starting as the band and rapping and I'm thinking, Oh, they're going to tie this up and it's going to be really strong. And it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe, maybe it's my fault. I wanted more out of this, but I, I, I don't know. I, my second viewing, I didn't laugh as much as the first viewing and it's probably not this film's fault, but the world is cray cray. And, uh, the stuff that is happening in the news is far more like what the hell is going on than this film is, especially when it comes to pop stars. Well, and, and actually there's been some, like a reevaluation, like with Britney Spears, it's like, we've, we've kind of come full circle now where we're, we've started to look at like how the media treated her and how badly it was like, Oh, she's like going crazy. And it's like, should we be making fun of someone like who's obviously going through some stuff and shaving their head and doing all these things. And we're just making fun of them. Should we maybe try to get them help? Like now it's like, well, that's a cry for help. And now, yeah. yeah. And now you know what was going on behind with the father yeah, and stuff like exactly, that. Exactly. So. Exactly. So now you're just like, oh, the, these warning signs were there. And all we did was make fun of her in the media. And yeah. So you can say the same thing for, for Connor in this movie. But yeah, I, I get your all's point. Like, and again, comedy, super hard, super subjective. It's totally subjective. I, I totally get it. And, but I I, I and, totally understand and the why same joke and the same joke for 90 minutes at some point in time could wear on people. Like it's funny the first five times, but 
the ninth and tenth time, you're just like, okay, I, I've, I've seen this dog and t- pony show before. I'm, I'm done with it. Um, and that's kind of what you get with this movie. It's, it's not like the most elaborately written uh, film of all time. There are some moments where it's genuinely funny, but most of the time, it's like um, the music and I, I, I get it. I get it from where you guys are coming from. I would never say you guys are crazy for not liking this movie. I get it. Um, Hot Rod is a hundred times better than this movie. Like the hearts, the charm, uh, the characters, the comedy. Um, and, you know, I I like my comedy a little bit more edge than what Hot Rod has. So I would like, oh, Pop Stars, obviously I'm going to like that more. But no, it's not even close. So honestly, I, I think Hot Rod, I don't think Hot Rod's an edgier comedy. I don't, I can't put my finger on it. I think Hot Rod has a different comedy that seems way more fresh than this. I, I honestly, when I look at this and the time it came out, I can totally see people going, I can see this crap for free on on MTV with Jersey Shore, whatever. Why would I go to the film that's supposed to be a comedy when I've got this comedy playing out right in front of me? So why go to the movies? And then if I want to see a Lonely Island music sketch, I'll just watch it on Saturday Night Live. So I, I yeah. it makes total sense to me why this bombed. It also makes total sense to me why this never... And again, I'd be totally wrong about this, but I don't think this movie is going to turn into a cult status. I, I really think, give it another 10 years, it's going to be super forgotten. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't see much of a future for this one. I think I would tend to agree. I think the yeah. songs will live on, certainly. Legalize it is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, but it's not in the movie. Legalize is not in the movie. Yeah. It's in the end credits, but like, yeah, yeah but I... <laughs> No, that but I, really I, I think it. I think people will talk about it as far as, oh, this is Spinal Tap, blah 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 blah, and then other movies tried to copy it, like Pop Star. That's that's where this film's going to end up in yeah. in another ten years. It's going to be a footnote to this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, it's not taking that mantle from Spinal Tap. No, and I mm-hmm. I think all of Christopher Guest films are are. It's going to be a yeah. footnote to any kind of, and people are going to look at it and see the trailer and go, why. And I wouldn't blame them. I mean, the movie is way funnier than the trailer. And, and here's the thing. Like you said, Brad, it's subjective. I, I, if people love this film, that's awesome. I can totally see where you would fall in love with this thing. But um, I don't know. It just, it just doesn't resonate for me. I, and I'm with Jose. Like, it, it dies a slow death at the end, especially when they start mimicking LFO. And uh, at that point, I just want to throw my, my 4K Blu-ray player out the window. Did you have this one on HD DVD? No, God, no, no. Mm-mm. I think HD DVD was dead by the time this came out. Yeah, I and I, it probably LFO probably killed it. <laughs> I really don't like LFO. Apparently, you don't. I mean, no one does, but man, yeah, no, somebody did because they sold. People are still playing their stupid ass song about Amber Combrie and Fitch and Chinese yes, food makes them one. sick. What was that one called? Let's not even bring it. Don't bring it into summer, existence. Summertime the yeah, girls, summer girls. Summer girls. Summer I don't know. Yeah. Puke. That's what I call it. Puke. That's why I tore my Abercrombie and Fitch story. Yeah, remember? Sorry, go back. Rewind. Anyways, they, no, they had another. They had another song though that was also a hit. What? Yeah, man. Anyway, it probably is the reason why we went to war somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> no, to be fair, I think one of the lead singers might have like died of like something pretty horrific, not horrifically, but of a, like a disease or something like that. So, oh no, not be too. So Crazy. God was mad at him too, huh? 
<laughs> he, heard the, he, he heard the song too. <laughs> oh. uh, it was it was a smite. He heard the song. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm usually a nicer person than that, but damn, that song's terrible. Um. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts on pop star? <laughs> Man, I can't believe we're going to end on that one. Nope. All well, right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Jose, time for the question, buddy. So we just got done talking about pop star. Never stop. Never stopping. What's your verdict on this one? Is it a bomb? You know what? It pains me to say this because I try to find the good in everything. Um, and Lord knows I've loved my share of stinkers, but I'm going to say it's a bomb. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's all right. Hey, hey, I, hey, you made a case for it. Everybody can can totally see where you're coming from. Brad, uh, we, we know you love this film, so I got to ask a question. You know, your your final thoughts on this 2016 pop star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Is it a bomb <laughs> or is it a hit? What do you think? I think this film is totally not a bomb. I dig it quite a bit, um, and I laugh pretty much from start to finish and um i get it i get it i get it why people don't like it i get it why people love it um but for me you give me someone who could do deadpan comedy pretty well uh i think sandberg can do it he's really good at it and i i buy it every time and again you can see tim meadows slap a dude so give me this movie that's pretty impressive Um, yep I'm right down the middle. I'll, I'll say this. If I had watched it for the first time, I would probably err on the, hey, I'll put it in the positive category. But I think when we talked about The Last Action Hero, I think we said that was a bomb by just just a hair. Like, mm-hmm. it, it just misses. There, there are some really good things about it, but overall, when you take a step back, the the negative sort of overshadow the good things that are going on. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with Jose. I mean, it has its moments, no doubt, but, uh, it's, it's more whack than dope. It's, it's not fresh and it lacks any, all of the, all of datness, uh, that something like Brigsby bear or hot rod has, know what I'm saying? Are you, are you I, picking I up what leave. I'm putting down? <laughs> Inch factor just went up. Yeah. There's some street cred. <laughs> yeah, it's a bomb. Sorry, Brad. Sorry I had to put a cap in that one's butt. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I feel yeah. I feel terrible. First time watch, first time bomb. I know. Uh, for, Thanks for Jose. me. Yeah. Don't Same. feel terrible. You like everything. You literally like everything. You do literally okay. like everything. I'm not like gonna I'm not gonna say the title, but the fact that you like that other movie and not this one, that says something. You saw my Instagram. I watched it again. God, Jose, why? You're just making Netflix think that it's popular and they should make more yeah. of them, and they shouldn't. Well, well, I did it because I had to watch the the other uh, the spinoff movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my god! See, that's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> we got that stupid movie and the LFO song running around. Anyways, I don't want to talk about the LFO song anymore. I'm already probably going to hell for my comment about the LFO singer guy. So, uh, Brad, we got one more week of Lonely Island, and um, Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, Jose, have you, Santa coming to visit? You've been good all year, right? I know you have. 
I have definitely been good all year. Okay. You have definitely been good. You've I know Brad has. A lot of stuff. Brad's getting yeah. tons of stuff. Brad's, <laughs> me, I don't know. That last comment, probably he's. Yeah, Santa is putting you on the He's skipping list. me after that one. But uh, Brad, what are we closing the year with? It's got to be Christmassy, right? Year. Yeah. Mm, no. It's uh, with a film from 2000, what was it, 2010? Um, it is MacGruber. MacGruber. Not the TV show. The movie that the TV show is now based on. So we have a funny way of like kind of doing stuff when it's pointing at the time. So we didn't plan that either. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened. So there's a new TV show that came out what last week? Yes. Yeah. Okay. On Peacock. It is a Peacock original. And I had no uh, idea that the Lonely Island uh I guess was associated with this film. I mean, this is my pick. uh, and this is something that came out on the list last year. And uh, I wanted to revisit it because I'd seen it before. So um, we we're closing the year out with MacGruber before we go into 2022. Uh, I'm kind of excited to revisit this thing. Yeah, Yorma directed it. Yeah, Yorma did direct it. So it's it's yeah, cool. Those are some talented boys. <laughs> well, if anybody else, so we're we've already started putting together a pretty cool list for next year. We got some awesome guests coming. Jose, we're we're kind of eyeing eyeballing a few films we kind of want you to come back on. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. we're gonna be giving you a list and see if it works for your schedule. But uh Brad, if anybody wants to send us their recommendations for next year, how do they get a hold of us? Yeah, that's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram. Twitter and Facebook, um, not on Snapchat or anything like that. Not that cool. Even though Troy talks like he's from the from the streets, he's not doing that Snapchat. So yeah. Well, are you doing the talk ticks? The what? Yeah. <laughs> the, the talk ticks. Yeah, the, the talk ticks. Yeah. Oh, Dad, are you on the talk ticks? No, no. That's a like a Chinese company. They're stealing all our information through the talk ticks. No, that's Snapchat. That too. I'm not on that either. The Chinese are taking all of our information and they're selling it to the dark web. Did you not watch yeah. Black Hat? I think they addressed that uh, on Black Hat. Um. No. Hey, uh, I think I was the only one that liked Black Hat. <laughs> yeah, I think you were too. <laughs> but you don't like don't like Popstar. But, but I didn't Hat's like Popstar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so by the time you hear our voices, I think Christmas will be done, and we'll be getting ready for the new year. So let me take a minute, and I don't know um, what you're doing over the holidays. Please stay safe if you're traveling. Don't know if you're celebrating Christmas or not, but hopefully, at least you get a day off from work, right? So you can celebrate that. We are super thankful for all of the interaction we get with all of you. I can't say that enough. I know we say it on every show, but it really means a lot to us. And we know we have a small listener base all over the world uh, in comparison to the other podcasts, but we're super grateful just to have you visit us and listen to our thoughts on these movies that bombed. I hope you are spoiled on your day off. If you're celebrating Christmas, if you're not celebrating Christmas, hopefully Um, You're spoiling yourself with doing something fun, but thanks again. And uh, I can't say this enough, folks, be safe and make sure you pay it forward and do something nice for the person next to you. And if you need an idea for a gift, put your dick in the box. Or there's that. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon or evening. Thanks for downloading the show and listening. And we'll catch you next week when we talk with Gruber. Thank you.